Thank you. That's going to do it today for the DSR here on 88.3 WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Thanks again. My name is Charlie Brigham alongside my co-hosts Andy Laidlaw, Andrew Miller, and Ryan Krause. We're going to leave you as we always do with good night and go blue. That was a good deal, sir. That was a good yeah. conversation. The last, fact last that, 10 minutes. Yeah, the fact that uh, Barry Bond. Hi. Hey. Listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and I'm Jim Dwyer. And uh, just a kind of a couple of last-second things you can do for MLK Day. Uh, there's a uh, talk discussion down at the public library this evening about the. Uh, Connect, uh, Veterans for Peace and the connection between Martin Luther King and uh, the war machines of America. Uh, I've seen permutations of this uh, presentation on MLK Day in the past, and it is well worth your consideration. Also, as a public service announcement, watch your step downtown. Because of the holiday, there's a lot of patchy ice, even in some business areas that you might not expect it in. So be careful and don't ride a bike. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, this is not the night to do that. Not, not a good uh, night for, for bike riding. There's um, no uh, escape uh, um, areas in some places, and there's also very patchy ice in unpredictable places. And then finally, I understand that they're showing a uh, free film at the Michigan Theater called Selma. Uh, I might even venture over there after the show because that allegedly starts at 7 at the Michigan Theater, and it's free. And that, of course, is a Averill DuVernay uh, documentary, drama, docudrama, I guess is the best way to put it, uh, about the civil rights uh, movement in Alabama in the 50s and 60s. So there you have it. Uh, I thought, uh, I'll just give out a brain damage award. I don't understand why anybody would be c celebrating gun rights on Martin Luther King Day. Well, yeah, what? that's a bit of a head-scratcher. It makes you like, wonder what they're what? really celebrating. I mean, let's be blunt. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can celebrate gun rights uh, 366 days 
a year yeah. this year. Uh, they chose to do so on Martin Luther King Day. That's not about gun rights. No. And even if, you know, you don't believe that James Earl Ray acted alone, he was a gun enthusiast. Uh, he ended up in prison for armed robbery, a couple of them, escaped from prison, and, uh, well, <laughs> there's a lot of different theories about the MLK assassination Sometimes on Gray Matters, we cover that on the anniversary, the 4th of April, 1968. But, of course, it was a uh, terrible event in the 1960s that affected American history uh, in ways that we're still uh, dealing with, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, and what did Donald Trump do today for Martin Luther King Day? I don't know. It's, it's Probably golfed if uh, he's anywhere near a... Yeah, well, he's on his way to Davos, which is uh, more than a little bizarre, because the last time he was there, he was kind of given the cold shoulder, and if anybody has ever repudiated internationalism more than him uh, in the last couple of years, I don't know. Of course, the word of the week is hoax. We've heard that word. Not obstruction? <laughs> hoax. <laughs> And uh, what is a hoax? Well, it's exactly what Donald Trump is. He's a hoax. Uh, and he perpetrates hoaxes. And, of course, uh, one of the hoaxes that he uh, perpetrated last week was his decision to have a meeting about school prayer uh, right as the Senate was being <laughs> sworn in for impeachment so he could get the split screen effect. And his claim that uh, schools all over America are preventing kids from praying is uh, false. Anyone can pray at any moment. Yes, anywhere. <laughs> Softly, quietly to yourself. Uh, the distinction that's being ignored there is the idea of uh, a top-down scenario where you are told or made to pray or to utter a certain oath that may go against your own personal individual choice uh, of religious creed or to adhere to no religious creed whatsoever. Uh, it's Amendment 1, freedom of and freedom from religion. Yeah, and of course the Supreme Court has ruled on this issue repeatedly. Uh, we have separation of church and state as a fundamental concept of why our republic was founded um it is the coercive prayer and there's that's a much bigger problem than schools that are preventing uh kids from praying there's there's religious clubs all over sure. america this is just another uh bone of kind of raw meat uh delivered to the uh christian evangelical community um Everyone craves victimhood. Well, um, and ju it's just an, it's a non-issue. When privileged, privileged majority uh, elements of culture begin to wave the victimhood flag, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a sign they're out of ideas. We got yeah. nothing. We got nothing. And then, of course, other hoaxes include uh, Attorney General William Barr appearing at a news conference talking about the Apple phone of the Saudi suspect. Uh, this, too, is also a hoax. Everything Barr said is virtually false. 
the American people are unaware of the fact that Apple can't really break into the phone. <laughs> they can break into some phones, uh, but not all phones uh, because of the encryption issue. Uh, I don't know what William Barr is talking about. I heard some experts discussing this on uh, the 1A show last week. And I certainly learned a lot about the technicalities of this uh, iPhone problem. I'd be willing to bet that there are people on staff at the FBI who have the technical capacity to do things that, you know, uh, only high-ranking people at Apple might have access to the information. Because that's what the FBI does is investigate and, uh, you know, break these things down in a forensic sense. They, They can get into phones to some degree. The real question in the uh, Pensacola shooting uh, in which three uh, military personnel died is why on earth is the United States training Saudi pilots to begin with? Uh, This, of course, is reminiscent of the 1980s uh, policies involving the School of Americas. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, down in our southern bases in which we were actually training death squad commanders. For right-wing uh, militia-type organizations that yeah. were responsible for a whole host of outrageous human rights abuses and war crimes. In El Salvador and Guatemala in and Honduras. And, of course, there was a war going on against mighty Nicaragua. Uh, Reagan would appear on television from time to time with his... Uh, his H. Ralph Perot maps. I got. I got my charts here. He'd show uh, Our only six days march from Texas. <laughs> He'd show the southern tip of Texas and wobble his head and claim that the the uh, Sandinistas were a threat to America, when in fact they were the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and had been under the thumb of uh, two dictators, uh, kind of one of them uh, monarchy dictators. Kind of thing that Donald Trump likes, or the Queen of England, or whatever. Uh, Harry and Meghan have uh, <coughs> continued Who? to suck Who? the news media away from Donald Trump's uh, gong show. And other hoaxes include uh, the phony China trade deal, which we'll get to uh, in upcoming weeks. Don't think we need to go into the details of that at the moment. And the return of the missionary man, Ken Starr. Yeah, boy, the Ken Starr Alan Dershowitz uh, show uh, promises to be <laughs> a real ratings getter. Uh, the the checkered track records of these guys uh, sort of speaks for itself. I mean, uh, it's again another. Oh, I saw him on Fox News for oh these many years. I think the other. Uh, Stellar uh, legal mind here is Pam Bondi, uh, former Attorney General of Florida, if I'm yeah. remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And she, of course, is... Uh, Who's in know, charge of... Tailor-made for Fox News, the yeah. angry, mean, pretty right-wing woman. And she and her job, just for the humorousness of the whole situation, is she's been in charge of impeachment messaging. This has been her job at the White House uh, for the last several um Months impeachment messaging. Well, sounds like a sounds like a band you don't want to go see. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think I saw them open one time for. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, I mean, the, 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 there the, are the, real constitutional scholars, indeed. <laughs> At major universities uh, and legal uh, firms and think tanks across this great nation of ours. But uh, the opening salvo from the White House defense team is this rather simplistic letter, which apparently says that, well, all of this could be. In fact, Dershowitz has said as much as this, too. Even if all this stuff is true, which nobody's disputing, um, it still doesn't rise to an impeachable offense, which is funny because one of the great quotes from the uh, Nixon years is Gerald Ford's observation uh, in definition of what is an impeachable offense. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, Gerald Ford's comment was an impeachable offense is whatever a majority of the House of Representatives consider it to be at a given moment in history. And that's actually a fairly accurate description of how this process, constitutionally outlined, really works. Yeah, and there's no Trump mention. has been impeached yeah. according to that very standard. And there's absolutely no mention in the Constitution about bipartisan uh, indictments involving impeachable offenses. It's irrelevant whether it's bipartisan or not, um, frankly, um, because we know what the Cavalry's been instructed to do by uh, Mitch McConnell. Moscow Mitch and the Crypt Kickers. Now, I don't know if witnesses will be heard. Uh, I thought Trump was demanding witnesses three months ago. So the impeachment messaging has uh, gone off the rails more than once. But uh, if Donald Trump, quote, did nothing wrong, why is he reluctant to have witnesses testify? Uh, the notion, by the way, that Hunter Biden is relevant to the uh, impeachment of Donald Trump is pretty ridiculous. Uh, I don't know if Hunter Biden did anything wrong. Um, of course, sitting on a corporate board and taking lots of money from a corporation for very little work, which, of course, is what a member of a board of directors does here in the United States— uh, is nothing that unusual. So if we're going to uh, criminalize uh, sitting on a board of directors, uh, why don't we start looking at the boards of directors around America? Yeah, uh, if we happen to have a president who was keenly focused on and concerned with uh, elements of uh, corruption, you'd think that this would be a daily you know, pr program where you're investigating corruption everywhere it can be found. Strangely, no, that happens not to be the case. Yeah, and one good example, of course, is Rudy Giuliani, uh, the president's uh, lawyer, quote-unquote, uh, represented Purdue Pharmacy. Uh, well, let's look at the board of directors on that corporation that's heavily involved in the opioid crisis, mm -hmm. for instance. Um, I think that Hunter Biden just looked at this as a quick way to make a buck <laughs> i don't think there's much more to it and furthermore just for the record in most corporate boards there's i don't know some have 10 some have 12 some have 15 it's one vote and there's a an incredible confusion in this country right now about um how systems work Joe Biden, for instance, voted for the Iraq War Resolution. It's poorly worded. We'll get into it eventually. 
as a topic because it's going to be part of the Democratic primary this year. But Joe Biden was not responsible for the Iraq war. He was one vote of 77 in the Senate. Uh, Virtually every Republican in the uh, uh, Congress in 2002 voted for this resolution. The person responsible for the war in Iraq was George W. Bush, not Joe Biden, not Hillary Clinton, not John Edwards, not John Kerry or any of these people. Senate votes often come down to a person looking at uh, re-election, for instance. They might look at a resolution and say, well, this is going to pass. Uh, I'm not going to be able to stop it, and this I could get red-baited with this issue, so I'm going to vote for this resolution even though I don't agree with everything in it. Those kinds of considerations happen all the time in politics. Nothing new there, and that's unfortunately the way the system works. Uh, the resolution, of course, did not authorize force. It urged President Bush to... Uh, get the United Nations back into Iraq for arms inspection, which is what the U.N. Resolution 441 did. That passed after the Congressional Resolution. Hans Blixt, the U.N. representative in charge of weapons inspections, in January of 2003 testified, we need more time. What we've inspected so far, we have found no evidence of weapons of mass destruction. Saddam is complying with our um, people on the ground looking at these sites. Let the process continue. George Bush didn't want to do that. And the evidence that George Bush wanted to start a war in Iraq is overwhelming, both before this congressional resolution and after it. By the way, a uh, number of weapons of mass destruction secretly uh, concealed away that were eventually revealed? Pretty much zero. Yeah, and of course there were weapons of mass destruction that were sold to Saddam Hussein by the United States government in the 1980s. Saddam Hussein used chemical weapons in 1988 against the Kurds and the Iranian Shiites. What was Ronald Reagan's response? Boo. He did nothing. Uh, Of course, other Western arms manufacturers were involved in supplying the parts for the so-called weapons of mass destruction. Um, There's also, by the way, confusion about the difference between a resolution and a law, a statute. So, for instance, Donald Trump doesn't quite get this. Uh, He's attempted to uh, change a bunch of environmental laws in the United States by issuing executive orders that contradict the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, the Endangered Species Act. Those are congressional statutes that have been signed by the president. A resolution... In fact, codified as law. As law. Yeah. And a resolution is a thing that has those whereas, whereas, and it's a sense of the Senate. It's a, it's a, it's like a New Year's resolution. I think yesterday is the day where everybody uh, 
falls down on the job and doesn't uh, keep that exercise program going that they that they made on the 31st of December of, of last year. Uh, they've given up after three weeks. Um, so resolutions are interesting events, but they don't mean anything really at the end of the day. They're a sense of Congress. Now, a good example recently, and this applies to Michigan, is Ellen Slotkin, uh, the Michigan congressman that represents, um, I think it's the 8th district. It's a North mar- of Detroit. Yeah, it's, a mar- it's in Oakland County. It's a marginal Republican district, mm-hmm. and she served in the uh, intelligence agencies of the United States. And she's emerged in the last four months, five months, as a major new leader of the Democratic Party in Congress, as a freshman. She was one of the people that signed a letter to Nancy Pelosi uh, urging an investigation into Donald Trump's conduct regarding the Ukraine before the perfect call. uh, Nancy Pelosi was not inclined to pursue impeachment. Mm -hmm. Well, Alyssa Slotkin wrote a recent congressional resolution regarding the war, a war possibly with Iran that passed the house. It's now going to be debated in the Senate at some point, because in theory, uh, there are actually four Republican senators that agree that Congress is the one that's supposed to declare war, that uh, the president cannot simply um, use an authorization of force from 28 years ago (laughs) to march into Iran. Um, I agree with that. This impeachment process and, uh, you know, legislation that's being pushed forward, like you're discussing, speaks to the potentiality for a sort of historical moment here where the Congress can reclaim some of the power that it has willfully ceded to the executive branch uh, since the Reagan era, like year after year. Decade after decade, Congress has let its own powers be sort of hoovered up by the White House. And in fact, an interesting example, uh, while these articles of impeachment have been uh, sitting on the mantle, uh, while people have been sitting around the fire roasting chestnuts and opening Christmas presents, uh, we learned recently that the GAO the Congressional Investigative Arm of Congress stated unequivocally that Donald Trump violated the Impoundment Act of 1974, a statute. So when you hear Donald Trump's lawyers claim that he hasn't broken any laws... In fact. (laughs) In fact. (laughs) It turns out he has. Bingo, bango, bongo, Billy. It's right there. Or boom, 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 as Devin Nunez might say about, oh, I did get a call from Lev Parnas. Yeah, I put him in touch with my aides, and boom, 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 that's how it goes. That's how people get a hold of me. Yeah, and of course, he was in the news last week. Uh, He's angry that Donald Trump denies knowing him. So what was Donald Trump's response to the testimony and the interviews of Lev Parnas? Oh, I don't know the man. I, I don't know him. 
Well, I don't know if you heard the breaking news this afternoon uh, that Lev Parnas's attorney has officially requested Attorney General Barr to recuse himself uh, as pertains to uh, the charges pending against Lev Parnas, uh, since he appears to be an intimate to the proceedings. And we'll have to see how this one plays out. Because, of course, the transcript of the perfect call itself, uh, the president says, oh, you got to talk to Barr, talk to Rudy, talk to Barr. And uh, so th this could get a little interesting for uh, A.G. Barr. Yeah. And he's got, of course, a lot of um, pots on the stove that are boiling over. Um he uh, but let's remember that this is the guy who took the Mueller report and essentially ate half the half the documents and then said, this is what they say. And then, of course, when the Mueller report actually came out, uh, virtually every statement that Barr said was false, which brings me back to a new problem in the United States. It's what I call lying on television. Uh, anybody can lie on television. Uh, that's unfortunately not a crime. So you never need to be uh, you don't need to be confused about Donald. as long as you're shameless. I mean, yeah. let's let's be blunt, because you can always be shown the tape. Right. And say, well, there's you saying that right. thing, which we now know is demonstrably false or we knew all along was false. Mr. Claus, Mr. Claus. <laughs> so we can check the tapes. That's uh, the standard procedure. But when you're, as you say, it's not against the law to lie on TV, as Homer Simpson once observed. Uh, I'm not lying. I'm writing fiction with my mouth. Um, it's not a court of law. Uh, so as long as you're shameless right. and have no concern about how people see you as talking out of both sides of your mouth or talking out of your beep, beep, uh, then you're, it's okay. Sure. And of course, Trump. It's becoming normalized. Is exhibit A. Yeah. Uh, Rudy Giuliani is Exhibit B. Uh, Newt Gingrich, we could put him in the uh, top 50, I would say, um, of all-time greats. Uh, and it's it goes on and on. It's like the infamous Bill Clinton shaking his finger on television. That, of course, was not perjury. That was simply the president issuing a denial that was misleading. Uh, the semantics of whether or not he and Monica Lewinsky actually had sexual relations. Well, uh, that is in the eyes of the beholder. And it didn't really have any national security ramifications. And, of course, it was consensual. There was no crime. Um, Ken Starr attempted mightily to turn this into a crime by trying to set up uh, Lewinsky as the fall girl pardon the expression, uh, Lewinsky refused, by the way, to wear a wire. Uh, tr Starr wanted to entrap uh, Clinton at one point. Uh, but all the details of the Clinton impeachment are remarkably trivial compared to this stuff going on with Mr. Trump. They tried, I mean, Starr uh, packed the report with as much salacious detail as he could. I was teaching high school at the time, and uh, when that document became available, teenagers were fascinated with the sort of fetishistic, uh, oh, uh, they did what now? Right. <laughs>
Yeah, it was a third-rate legal brief and a fifth-rate work of pornography. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think it's uh, ever going to be read uh, along with uh, Lady Chatterley's Lover, Lover and <laughs> the Decameron by Boccaccio. <laughs> Uh, as great literature, I don't think Ken Starr needs to worry about that. Uh, he's got a reputation to protect. Yeah, a defender of Jeffrey Epstein and uh, his yes. egregious failures to uh, protect women on campus from predatory sexual harassment. As president of Baylor University. Baylor, yeah. uh, just to remind you, you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Yazoo City Calling will be coming up uh, shortly. I also, you know, looked up hoax in the dictionary, and it's fabulous. It's fascinating to learn that it's a derivative of hocus. <laughs> hocus pocus. As in hocus pocus. Yeah, it's a distraction. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a great rock and roll? Yeah, you have the yodeling in it, right? Yeah, that's that's one of those uh, headphone classics from the from the sixties and seventies, baby. Well, it's also related etymologically to the word hex yeah. uh, and to hoxen, which is a witch. So there's a bewitchment there. And, of course, by the repetition of this fraud, this fraudulent use of the word hoax towards uh, attempts to actually pursue truth, uh, denounced as hoax, is itself a form of witchcraft. So if there is a witch hunt underway, well, we know who the witch is. At the very least. And oh, real quickly, since we are, you got one more point there, but I want to mention uh, you've got two more chances, I think, to catch the movie documentary at the Michigan Theater called Fabulous Fun Guy. It's about mycology and uh, its interconnectivity between the universe itself and the human mind. Strongly recommend it. Well, hoax stands for, amongst other things, an act intended to trick or dupe. Well, WCBN-FM Ann Arbor is not a hoax. It's real. Yazoo City Calling coming up next right here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Sometimes I will, then again I think I won't. Where did Chuck Berry and many of the rock and rollers get those cool, wild lyrics and music for their songs? They were inspired by listening to scratchy old 78 records by blues artists from the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. Especially these guys. Couldn't get no silver, I couldn't get no gold. You know the way to tempo, the gallows pole. What does it bring me to this is your host, Jerry Mack. Discover for yourself the musical roots of rock and roll and modern blues from the artists who inspired Robert Johnson on Yazoo City Calling every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. right here at 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor.
George, Dr. Funk, and Simon Clinton, and I'm always checking out WCBN-FM. Man, 